Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today I want to talk to you about infidelity and suicide. A number of people over time have ended their lives due to finding out their significant other, wife, husband, spouse, partner, has had an affair or is cheating on them or even having an emotional affair, whether it's physical, emotional, infidelity hurts. It's it's like a, a, a fire that just blazes through and consumes everything in its way. The fire doesn't care who it hurts, who it harms. It doesn't care about the, the, the collateral damage. Infidelity is... Um, it's indiscriminate in who it destroys. And if you've been a person who has been cheated on, you, you maybe you walked in on a person, you found out or they told you that that fire, that burning, it can it can consume you and it can cloud our thinking and leading us to think that this is the end of everything and how can we go on. And so today I want to talk about some of the emotions that are attached to finding out about the infidelity and then also exploring ways that we can move through it because yes we can move through it and we can get to tomorrow together that's right um but let's go back to the infidelity itself it can feel at times like a death right like a death of trust a death of love, the love that we shared with this person, a death of our memories. It can feel like everything was a lie. And, you know, the from the times that they said, I love you, to the times they said, I care about you, uh, it can feel like everything was a manipulation. Oh, they just did this so that they can do that. Um, and so it can be confusing, jarring. And then it also can feel like a death to our, our the vows, the sacred vows that we shared in the marriage itself, right? And I want to remind you that infidelity, although it can feel like a death in so many of those areas, it is not the end, okay? There's a difference between something being the death of something and being the end of something. You know, when volcanoes erupt, and, you know, you think about Pompeii, the city of Pompeii from, you know, uh, thousands of years ago, the volcano erupted, and I think 16,000 people died. It, it, so the volcanic eruption brought a death. However, it was not the end of Pompeii, because if you know anything about lava, the lava that flows from a volcano, it brings with it a new life, yes. It brings death, but it's not the end because from that lava grows a whole new life, a whole new world, a whole new world. You think about Hawaii, the number of volcanic eruptions that have happened on those different islands of Hawaii. And then you think about how beautiful Hawaii is from the waterfalls, the uh, wildlife, the plant life, the fruits, the vegetation, the people, the spirit, it's brought all those things. So even though infidelity can feel like the death of so many things, 
Remember, it is not the end. It is not the end, right? And and that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that we don't feel guilty. Oftentimes, we blame ourselves for what happened. We think about, you know, is there something I could have done or said, done more, done less of, said more, said less of, should we have moved? You start playing all these what ifs. What if we did this? What if we did that? What if she said this? Or what if I said that? Uh, we, we play all these different scenarios out thinking that we had more control over the person and over the relationship than what we actually had. You know, in AA, they talk about the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, you don't have to believe in God to say that prayer. You can say, grant me. You can just say, take God out if that's not your thing, right? I know I have people who t- are tuning in from all over the world and have different religions and cultures. But just grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, right? And, and I know what adds to the pain of infidelity is if you live in a small community where other people find out, uh, they tend to avoid you. Like infidelity is contagious. Like they think you're, like you're going to cheat or, or with their partners or their partners are going to cheat with you. Um, they, they avoid you like the plague. And I've heard other people describe the pain of infidelity being worse than the pain of losing a, lo- a loved one. It's so much worse. Because I think that nine times out of ten, when we lose a loved one, there's the pain of the loss, right? Um, but when there's infidelity, there's, a, there's so many losses. We lose the marriage. We lose trust. We lose faith. And then, but we also have the pain of blaming ourselves, shaming ourselves, uh, society sometimes blaming you and shaming you. So there's so many more losses that are racked up with infidelity. And then you also, in a lot of cases, lose the social support, especially if you're a guy, right? Nine times out of 10, uh, uh, if you're a husband, the social network is your social network is your wife's friends, right? And so if the wife, if you catch your wife cheating and that's the end of the relationship and the marriage, well, now you've lost your social network and and it makes it hard for you to want to talk to other people. And that can be equally, that could be so painful. So now you lost your wife, you've lost, you know, your support network, your your friends, your outlet, the, the people who that you would have confided uh, your deepest pains and and grieves into, and now you feel like uh, you're on an island by yourself. So know that you're not alone. Uh, a number of people experience infidelity. I had a friend of mine, actually, uh, his wife cheated, and I've shared this on the episode, and he talked to me about it, and he was just like, what should I do? How should I handle this? We're married. We have kids. And they're still together. They, they worked it out. I think, you know, that's the other part of it, right? Um, do you find out that there's infidelity and cheating and then they leave you for the other partner versus there's infidelity and cheating and they want to stick around and try to work it out? 
You know, th- those are, you know, different ways it could play out. And I would imagine, you know, for obvious reasons, that if the person cheats and then wants to leave you for the other person, I mean, that is just uh, a dagger to the heart, uh, a gut punch, right? It, it's, it's, it's such a, uh, a blow to not, you know, the ego, let's, let's, let's be real. It's a blow to the ego. Like, like, you know, you're like, man, I wasn't good enough. It, it, it brings up these feelings of inadequacy for sure. So I want to talk about some of the warning signs that we might be suicidal. And, and I, I want to talk about this because sometimes we don't know when we are building up momentum in that direction. We don't, we don't realize it. It's a subconscious thing that we start doing. And, and if you have a friend who's gone through a, a, a divorce or breakup or there's some marriage or some relationship strife because of infidelity, these are signs that you can look out for too that they might be leaning in this direction. All right. Um, and basically, they talk about wanting to end their life. And, and if they are, Ask them, hey, are you talking about ending your life? Are you talking about suicide? Like, be direct. Don't be afraid to confront and get clarification. Um, they, might, they might even mention that they have no reason to live. They uh, feel like they're a burden to others now. Because sometimes when there's a, a, a divorce or infidelity that leads to a divorce, now you're, you're losing your home. You might have to move, switch jobs. Like, there's so many losses and transitions that you might, and then you might even feel like an emotional burden because it's all you can talk about right now. It's so devastating, right? Um, They may also talk about feeling trapped. They might feel trapped or caged and, and how much the pain or how unbearable the pain is. So they're talking about any of these things from ending their life to there's no reason to live, feeling like a burden to others, feeling trapped, and experiencing unbearable pain, um, then you know that those are early warning signs of suicide. And so to, to talk to them, to just say, hey, I'm, I'm here if you, you need to, if you need to talk or if you just want somebody to listen or somebody just to be in the same space with you for a little bit, you know, if you just want me to come over, do some things around the house or, or whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be um, you know, it doesn't have to be like an emotional dump session or, or anything like that. Just let them know that you're, you're there uh, when they need someone to share with, right? Um, and if you're feeling like this, and if you're that person who is exhibiting these signs, then definitely reach out. And we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into uh, what to do if you're a person going through, uh, if you've been cheated on, right? Um, and then other signs is I want to talk about the behavior. Sometimes our behavior changes, right? When we're contemplating suicide. So remember, this is to recognize either in yourself or to recognize in someone else. All right. So we increase our use of alcohol or drugs. So increase is the operative word there because a lot of people drink, right? But if you notice a sharp increase, maybe you just drink on the weekends and now you're drinking, like you wake up and have a drink, and or you're having a drink during lunch now, and you're having a drink every day. So we're looking for an increase in alcohol or drugs. We're, we're look um, if you're looking for ways to end your life, like you're searching it online, 
things like that. Start if we're starting to act recklessly, right? We're not we're driving a bit, um, uh, you know, with our, without our seatbelt on or something like that. So if we're, if we're taking more risk-taking uh, behaviors, then we need to look at that. Sometimes you might see it sexually where now we're not using protection or, um, you know, we're sleeping with, uh, you know, uh, we're paying for sex and, and, or you know, just doing reckless things, things that are outside of our, uh, our norm. Maybe we're withdrawing from activities, right? Now we're starting to isolate. We're turning down invitations. We're, we're saying no to things that we usually would say yes to. We're isolating from family and friends. We're sleeping too much or too little. And, and too little, a lot of times we, we recognize people sleeping too much and go, oh, there's something going on. But if we're sleeping too little, that could um, mean like we're in a more of a manic state or anxious or hypervigilance. And so that's not going to be good because eventually there's going to be a crash. And then it means we're not recovering, resting, and our emotions aren't processing. And our cortisol levels are staying high. So we definitely want to look out for sleeping too much or too little. And also when we look at behaviors, we want to notice um, are we calling people to just say goodbye? Are we like, you know, these kind of like, hey, it was, it was great knowing you, and I really love our, you know, kind of going over the history kind of thing. Um, are we giving away prized possessions, and are we being more aggressive? So if you're exhibiting any of these behaviors or noticing it in someone else, then we know that we have to uh, step in, or we know that we need some type of disruption or outside help from a therapist, a friend, a coach, or, or you know, you know, to speak out. So let's get into how do we want to, how do we want to cope? What do we do, right? What do we do if we're that person that has been cheated on? If, you know, we, ah, oh, so painful. And it's wild because you know what happens a lot because it's in all the movies, all the TV shows. Tyler Perry's made a killing off of, uh, you betrayed me, you know, it's just, <laughs> um, the topic of infidelity, having affairs, cheat, like it, it'll always be a thing. And I think that's the thing to remember. It's a part of the human experience. It sucks that it's a part of your experience. And it doesn't mean that everyone goes through this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is a lot of times when things happen, we think it's, it's only happening to us and no one else can relate. When the truth is, you know, it, it happens more often than we're aware of. And even the people who are acting like they can't relate, they can. They definitely can. And they may be in denial or they may feel shame about admitting it. So just know that you're not alone in your pain, right? There are millions of people who have experienced what you're feeling. Or else there wouldn't be so many songs and movies and TV shows about it, right? Why else would people be watching this? Um, so what do we do? Here's some tips. First, talk to someone every day face-to-face -face if you can. Even if it's your cashier or mail person or, uh, uh, you know, construction, whoever you talk to, talk to someone every day instead because, we, like I said, we tend to withdraw. So instead of withdrawing, make sure you get some face-to-face -face with someone who you feel like you can just 
talked, even you don't have to talk about the pain of infidelity, but just someone that, you know, whether you're talking about sports or, or, you know, some small talk stuff that maybe then you can lead into the pain of infidelity. And if you have a hard time talking about the fact that your significant other cheated on you, you don't have to say that. You can just say, hey, have you ever been lied to? You can, you can baby step your way in because people don't really have shame about being lied to. People don't, don't really have a hang-up over uh, you know, a lie, right? They, they may feel shame about being cheated on, so that might be a hard thing to, for someone to admit to another person. But to be like, oh, yeah, man, this, you know, but we, I think most people would admit to being lied to. Like, have you ever been lied to? And then start from there, right? Like, so you're easing your way into the topic of infidelity. Or, you know, have you ever, um, you know, when you were in middle school, did you ever, like, catch your girlfriend, uh, you know, with another boy or something? Like, with another person? Like, you know, br- you know, find a way to talk about it. Or bring up a movie or a song or TV show that deals with infidelity and be like, I just watched this show on infidelity. Um, I, I don't, I couldn't imagine catching my partner with somebody else has that ever happened to you or do you know somebody like there's certain ways that you can kind of let the air out of the balloon without being direct if you're not comfortable with being so direct right but talk to somebody about it somehow Um, the other thing that we can do is make a safety plan and you know and I'll be honest research has shown safety plans don't typically aren't typically effective but what is effective is keeping at the top of mind people that you can reach out to when you are experiencing unbearable pain this is so important I keep a top five in my phone of people I can reach out to and I frequently do and I I try to reach out to them before it becomes unbearable because by that time it's 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 out of control right the the the, now it's a wildfire versus a uh, a flame, right? So when I, when I feel the flame, <laughs> oh, they gonna get that text message. They gonna get that. They gonna get a phone call from Leo Flowers, all right? So have a safety plan and and make sure there's uh, there are people in your safety plan that you can call and reach out to, and that and those people can change over time. You know, people that you feel close to now, maybe you know, two, ten, twenty years from now. You, you don't feel as close to. Um, and so always looking at your safety plan, the people that you can call, whether it's your, you know, your therapist can be on there, your coach, uh, your best friend, whoever it is, sometimes it's not even the people closest to you. They might be uh, peripheral uh, players in your life, uh, lateral connections like your hairdresser or something like that. But have those people, family members, have those people ready uh, for you to call or even email. You know, uh, one of the things I like to do, sometimes I'll write up a, a email to somebody, a long one, and I'll schedule it for a week later. And, and that just, and I, and I send it, and then if I still need to send that email a week later, um, then I, I know it's going to go out. And, and if not, then I'm good. But sometimes I just, I just send out an email of like, 
what I'm feeling, my emotions. I just need to let the air out a little bit. But I don't need, I need to process it first myself. Sometimes we have so many emotions that we need to process ourselves before we really talk to somebody else. Um, and that's my way of kind of letting the air out of the balloon, right? Like I know in seven days uh, these people will, will catch this and read this and then I can process it then. But uh, nine times out of ten I end up stopping the email before it, um, it goes out. But that's just, you know, so you just get creative with <laughs> your safety plan and, and saving your life, right? Um, and then we can also make sure that when we're dealing with this unbearable pain and this trauma, and, and, and I mean, because it is a trauma, right? It's a traumatic event. That moment you find out, that is a traumatic event. Let's not downplay that, okay? Um, make a written schedule for yourself because and this is important because a lot of times our schedule is revolved around the other person. We, you had a whole life together, and now this person's been extracted out of your life. They've been deleted, and so has the schedule and a routine. And so the first thing, one of the first things you have to do is make a plan for yourself, a schedule, and figure out and, and fill in all those hours of the day. Don't leave any time un, you know. I mean, even if you schedule downtime or TV time or just sitting around and, and, and thinking time, but schedule it so you feel like you have a plan and a purpose. And that way you can walk up, you can uh, walk the earth with some vitality and buoyancy and a sense of direction versus uh, wandering aimlessly and, and feeling untethered. So make a schedule so that you remind yourself that you have uh, there is a level of control that you have over your life, right? The other thing we want to do is get out into the sun. That's right. Or at least get outside, whether it's the sun. But, but being outdoors, even if it's for 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. I, I know some of you live in very cold places. You live in very hot places. You may live in war-torn places. But, but get out of the apartment if you can. Get out of the house if you can. Even if that means going into somebody else's apartment or house. But, but just get out and, and kind of circulate, ambulate, right? Stretch those legs, feel the wind, feel the heat, feel the cold, feel the breeze, hear the birds, hear people, hear traffic. Um, but get out of your space to, to kind of explore and let your, your eyes zoom out to remind you that there is still life being lived. There's still opportunities and alternatives and people you can talk to and people you can meet and, and other potential partners, right? Uh, it's just a reminder that life is still being lived. Remember, it's, it's a death, but not the end. And talking about ambulating and walking around, exercise is so big. Get the juices going. Wake up. Just wake up. And just even if you just stand and shake your body a little bit, right? Just shake, shake or do a little hula hoop or, or turn on a song and just dance for one song. But do something to get them juices going. I like to wake up and I, I go right and I brush my teeth. Excuse me. And I take my asthma meds and then boom, I'm in a gym. I'm in a gym for about an hour, 
90 minutes. It depends on my schedule. I'm listening to an audio book sometimes. Sometimes I open a garage, let that cold air in, and I wave at neighbors as they're walking by. Very fortunate. I don't know. It's very fortunate. feel very privileged to be able to have a gym in my garage and I have neighbors that I actually want to wave to <laughs> and that wave back at me. But get up and get moving, right? Move your body. And if you don't want to move your body, you know, get a massage. Let somebody else move your body. Get a stretch. You know what I mean? Take a group exercise class. Let somebody yell at you for an hour. And, and this is the thing where people go, I don't want to start a, a whole routine. I don't have time. Just take a class. Nobody's telling you to commit for the rest of your life. Take one class. As a matter of fact, what I would do is I would schedule a different class every day. I know some of you live in, in different places, so that may not be uh, tenable. But if you live in an area, like I'm in San Diego, like I could literally take a different workout class at a different gym you know, every day of the week for a month. Or maybe for a, for a year, I don't know. That'd be interesting, but um, but just as a way to get yourself out there and and getting yourself uh, uh socializing again and not isolating yourself. I'm not I'm not saying go in there and be the life of the party. I'm not saying shake hands and get phone numbers. I'm just saying expose yourself, engage, explore, exercise. Move your body so we can move the energy in our body so it doesn't get stuck in our head, so the pain doesn't get stuck in our chest or our throats or our, or our brains, and then it feels like it's going to explode. Move your body. Um, also, make time for things that bring you joy, right? Don't forget, make a playlist. Take a, Michelle and I took a painting class. I would never in my life take a painting class. But I take the advice that I give you guys. I, exp- I was like, let me explore. Let me engage. Let me see. Let me, let me lean into curiosity. And I got to tell you, I enjoyed it. I never in a million years would have taken that class by myself. But I did. And I met some really cool people. And then we went out, to, uh, went out and had a really lovely dinner. It was just a lovely, lovely evening. We saw a drone that we thought was a UFO. It wasn't was fine. Everything was fine, right? Um, but make time for things that bring you joy. Like, you know, what, what did you find joy in before you two met? Because let's be honest. When we get into relationships, a lot of us stop doing the things that bring us joy. And I'm guilty of it. I love going to the movies. I don't go to the movies as much now. Uh, there's some guilt that I feel, if I'm being honest, about going to the movies without her. Like now I feel like, you know, what we do, we got to do together. And that's on me. That's not on her. That's on me. So a lot of times we, we don't do things to the frequency that we once did it because we're in a relationship. So go back to some of those things that brought you joy. Visit those places that brought you joy, the bars, the restaurants, the, the, the cities. The, because remember, there, there are places that you want to visit, places you want to go, things you wanted to do that maybe you couldn't do because of the, the logistics of the relationship. 
Now you get to do all those things. So I would say, write down, take some time, write down the things that you were like, man, if, if, if we weren't together, I'd be able to do, do those things. Call those people, hang out with those, you know, stay up late, eat the food. Like a lot of, <laughs> like a lot, I mean, if you're like me, like there, there are foods that like I eat in my car because I don't want her to know because I, I don't need her looking at me with the side eye. Like I thought we weren't eating those anymore. Like do, <laughs> go back to the things that bring you joy, okay? Uh, and then the last thing that we want to do is remember our personal goals. We all have goals in life. We all have things that we want to do, and sometimes they got sidetracked or our resources had to go into other things into the relationship. And so maybe we took the gas off of the, the goals a little bit, or we stopped dreaming, and we, just, and we just started thinking about the other person too much. This is an opportunity for you to, to pursue your goals. And I know what you're saying. You're like, I don't want to pursue my goals. The goals mean nothing without this other person. That's what it feels like. I understand that. I understand that. However, however, let's lean into curiosity. Let's just see how it would feel to attain the goal or goals with, without this person in our lives anymore, right? Let's just see what it feels like. We're, uh, Michelle and I were watching Modern Love. It's on Amazon Prime. And there was an episode, it's like these very short love stories, right? There was an episode where this guy is a writer, and or he's an IT, IT tech, um, like entrepreneur, startup guy. And he finds out his girlfriend is cheating on him. Like she comes home, she's like, I slept with my ex-boyfriend. And he is livid. He can't, he grabs his stuff and he moves out immediately. But then he takes that energy and he puts it into a startup and it blows up. And now he's worth like, you know, millions, billions of dollars. And then they reconnect and then they get married. Now, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Oh, now she want to be with him now that he got billions and millions, right? Yeah, I could look at it like that. But I can also look at it like he took the energy, he took the pain, he took the pressure, he, he took the grievances and the guilt and the anguish, and he channeled that energy into his goals, into his dreams, into the thing that he wanted to pursue. And so now he has his dream and he has his dream girl. Now he, had, now he has both. So remember, the, the infidelity, the person leaving you is a death, but it is not the end, okay? It's not the end. Um, now, what do we want to avoid? And I go through this really quickly because there's, there are four things we want to avoid uh, when we're, we're trying to manage the emotions of infidelity, the, the grief of it, right? We want to avoid being alone because all that solitude just festers suicidal thoughts and, and the grief and the pain. So we, we don't want to be alone uh, for an ext uh, you know, an, a ridiculous amount of time, for 24 hours a day. We don't want to do that, right? That doesn't mean that we don't want to spend some time in solitude, like being with ourselves, sitting with our thoughts, feeling our emotions. But I'm saying that you, but we know the difference between 
some solitude and some reflective, some self-reflective time in isolating, hiding, and avoiding. We that that feels different, and 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 I think we're aware of that, right? Um, and then we also want to avoid alcohol and drugs because we're flooded with so many emotions. We don't need to flood our body with more chemicals and drugs that can you know alter our our ability to think clearly and our ability to focus on our goals and what we still have control of and the dreams that we still have and the resources that are available to us, right? Because if we, we you know, start increasing the drugs and alcohol, then it makes it even harder to talk to people because then people are just going to, now people are going to stay away from me because of the increase in, of drugs and alcohol, right? Um, and, and then that'll get us more in our head and it causes us to isolate more and it just becomes this uh, vicious cycle of pain until it were just a, a person of one, right? Um, and then make sure we're avoiding things that make us feel worse. So I remember when my dad died, I was like, all right, I'm giving my dad, I'm gonna give myself one day, one day to have a couple drinks, listen to sad music, watch the sad shows. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm, I planned it. I was like, I'm gonna have one day where I just allow myself to just be sad and grieve, like do all the stereotypical things, right? So I, I, I'm looking at old photographs, I'm reading old letters, uh, you know, looking at the grave, I'm, I'm feeling all the negative feelings. I was like, you get one day, Leo Flowers, and then we got to brush our teeth, take a shower, and move forward. So don't do things that, don't continually do things that make you feel worse. And you know what those things are. You, you know what makes you feel good. Because sometimes sad music can make me feel good. But sometimes sad music makes me feel even uh, sadder, right? So let's avoid anything that's going to make us feel worse uh, w- within reason. And then the last thing is uh, thinking about suicide and other negative thoughts. Now, we can't avoid the thought of suicide, right? That we, we, if we have the thought of suicide, then um, that's a, a chance for us to reframe it because the thought of suicide is a reminder to us. I want to reframe what the thought of suicide is. It's a reminder to us that the pain is unbearable and that there's something that we need to take action on. We need to act on it in terms of calling a friend, talking to someone, you know, walk, getting out the house, socializing, taking a cold shower, exercising, like it, the, the suicidal thoughts is, is not um, a cue to end our life. It's a cue that we need to engage in life, right? To engage, that we got to shake things up. We got to do something a little different. And this doesn't mean do something reckless. It doesn't mean do something that will self-sabotage us. It just means shake it up a little bit, you know. Maybe uh, we put on some brightly colored clothes. A lot of times we start wearing dark clothes, heavy clothes, things that cover us up. Um, But it's a reminder that what we're doing currently isn't working for us. And so reaching out to a therapist, calling a friend, getting some sun, infrared sauna, 
uh, you know, going for a swim in the in the lake or the ocean or the or a pool, something. To signing up for classes, writing down our goals. What we're doing is just a reminder that what we're doing isn't working for us right now. We just need to change things up a little bit. All right. So I hope. I'm confident. I hope that you found some value in this episode. And if you did, please share this with one other person. Just one other person. One, one other person that you think would also find value in this so that you two can have a conversation about it. Because it's not enough to just listen to the podcast. It's not enough to listen to the episode. The, the next, when a podcast episode becomes a conversation, that's how we build community. And that's how we build connection. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the other international phone line numbers that are listed in every single one of the show notes. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you're in Germany, the Philippines, Canada, Australia, Indianapolis, Dallas, Fort Worth, Detroit, Portland, wherever you are in the world, there are numbers that you can call and get help now. Uh, you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo, get your 10% off your first month, get yourself a pocket a pocket professional, somebody who's going to be available 24-7. I mean, they're not going to be available 24-7, but the service is available 24-7. Uh, go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Uh, let's get to tomorrow together.